Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast, where you learn what you need to know about how the world wants to work. And now your host, co-working space owner and trend expert, Jamie Russo. Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast. This is Jamie Russo. I am your host. I am here today with two guests again. So I think we are at the end of our run with the multiple guests, but I enjoy the format and I in particular enjoy today's guests, Amir Davis and Christina Gutierrez. They are the co-founders of Pillar Cowork, which is a co-working and childcare space in Lafayette, California, which is with no traffic, 45 minutes from where I am. So I owe them a visit. I actually first met them at a GWA, which is the Global Workspace Association Conference back in, I think we said 2017 on the podcast. I'm pretty sure it was 2018, but one or the other, it's been a while. They opened their space on March 2nd, 2020. So for anybody listening, you are having intense empathy for them. And they were running part co-working and part childcare. So if you are listening and you're interested in the childcare model, you are going to really dig the details that they get into, the learnings that they've had already, even though they've had, you know, an unusual season of opening. And then they also just share, you know, other general co-working business learnings and, you know, the size of their space, what they spent on their build out, um, kind of, you know, what they would do differently next time. But they're two incredible business owners. They're doing a lot of things right. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. So their community manager was in our community manager university. And um, I hosted a Google My Business training, kind of a deep dive for that group. And I used their Google My Business listing as our uh, gold standard because it's excellent. So make sure you take a look at that. We'll put the link in the show notes. So I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Really quickly before we dive in, I am doing a short keynote at Flex World 2021, which is on October 21st. So this is your last week to register. It starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time, and it is Office R&D's first virtual conference. If you're an Office R&D user, you probably have heard about this already. If not, you are still welcome to join. It's a totally free event They're hosting two tracks. The one you're most interested in is the Flex track, focused on the Flex and co-working space industry and covering topics like management agreements, which Michael Abrams is hosting, demand generation for Flex spaces, and more. And they're using a really cool platform, which will allow for some engagement. I think it's going to be a great event. I'm excited to be there. Would love to see you there. If you want to register, you can find all the details at flexworld.io. And again, it's totally free, just a chance to get some industry perspective and, and do a little networking with some other operators. So would love to see you there. Okay, now on to our discussion with Amir and Christina. Welcome. We have two guests again today, co-founders of Pillar Cowork in Lafayette, California, which I just checked on my Google Maps is only 43 minutes away with with a light middle of the day. I suspect it, you know, it would climb during rush hour, but I have um, Amir Davis and Christina Gutierrez with me. And they reminded me that we actually met in person at the GWA conference in Austin in 
what did we decide? 2018, 18, 18. 2018. Yeah. And ago. I need to get over and, and meet you in person. So I'm so excited to have this conversation and I suspect many, many folks listening are very excited to hear some behind the scenes about what you're up to. So you have a co-working space and a childcare space. So lots of folks want to tackle that problem, but some are brave enough and some are, are or crazy not. enough or crazy. Exactly. <laughs> brave enough and crazy enough. I think this is often the case with co-working, but more so with the childcare piece. It's like you feel this pain and you see what could be and how it could be better. And you just feel called to figure it out. So that's my, my hypothesis on what happened with, with both of you. But before we dive in and ask all the questions about your model, tell us about two of you, your backgrounds, your, your co-working story. Start with the how did how did Pillar come to be? Co-working story, a beautiful story. <laughs> um, well, for me, I've been in the Bay for about eight years. Uh, when I got here, I was still a stay-at-home mom. Uh, my son was, yeah, quite young, not in school. So I was familiar with co-working only through WeWork. Um, and then okay. once I sort of recognized that there wasn't really anything like for me, for moms who had, I had never entered the traditional workforce in any capacity. I went straight from college to being a mom. Um, and so I started doing a little diving and came upon the wing. And then I went down the whole rabbit hole of all the different sort of niche offerings in terms of co-working. Um, and I have a friend who's here who happens to be a Maronite's uh, mutual friend. And clearly we were both working on the same things and sharing it with this mutual friend. Um, and Amir and I had sort of ran into each other at different, you know, group events over the years because of this friend. And eventually she's like, I think you guys need to just talk because you're kind of working on the same thing and also almost in the same location. Okay. Like, you know, that wouldn't right. make sense. You shouldn't have two, right? <laughs> exactly. We don't need to. Let's not double the trouble here. Um, and so, yeah, we, we got together. Uh, we figured that what we were both working on made enough sense to, you know, to figure it out, even though there were, you know, things that were a little different. Um, so that's how we started. Christina, where did you move? Where did you live before the Bay Area? Uh, Southern California. So I went oh, to Cal okay. State Northridge. Yep. Okay. And then we came up here. But I've been in California for, oh my gosh, like 19 years. Okay. Yeah. I'm from Illinois. Oh, you are. We're yeah. in Illinois. Springfield. Springfield. <laughs> okay. California Springfield. is. Yes. Better. You know, I lived in Chicago for yes. years and I, I still miss it. it. Not in the winter, of course, but anyway, Amir, tell us your, your side of the story. Yeah. For me, um, I was, it was because I needed a space like this, right? That was where my idea for, or the concept behind Pillar came about. I was working as a consultant um, when I had my first daughter. She's nine. So about, you know, nine years ago. And I wasn't ready for her to go to childcare when it was time for me to go back to work. So I was, you know, new mom exploring options and I wanted her to be close to me. And I thought, oh, there must be a place, right, <laughs> where I can work and someone can watch her. And I lived on the East Coast at the time, and it did not exist there. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's just where the idea behind it came for me. And then as the years went on, I had another child or two, and 
<laughs> I was still struggling with childcare, right? Like still trying to figure out how I could um, take care of the things that I needed to take care of and then still have the children be taken care of in, in a way that like makes you feel comfortable, right? Because when you drop them off at childcare and you don't see them for seven, eight hours a day, you're, you know, there's just not that sense of security. I think that a lot of parents are looking for, and we only can imagine what the children are (laughs) experiencing. Right. Um, so yeah. And then like Christina said, when we met and we both had similar ideas around what we wanted to create, it took a little bit of time for us to decide like, okay, we can adjust our own ideas and come together. Um, and, and I, you know, I think, I think it's really like, if we weren't working together, I think we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here today. Right. Because there are so it was really just two different businesses that we're running at the same time. And, um, I don't think that we really realized that, you know, we were creating such a, the co-working and the childcare. Yeah, exactly. Really overlap yes right because in our mind we were like well the child care is the differentiator right you always talk about like what's your differentiator what makes you right you know so different from the other 55 co-working spaces yeah and that's why and i think yeah it's like thinking of it more of an amenity versus exactly. sort of a completely separate business model yeah exactly yeah we took, we thought that was the approach we were going to take to begin with. Like it was an ancillary service mm-hmm. that we would offer people that were interested. However, when children are involved, I mean, everything has to, like the children take priority. Hence why I have on a childcare apron right now, <laughs> you know, because it's like yeah. at the end of the day, that part of the business cannot run itself. Whereas on the co working side, you have a little more flexibility around mm-hmm. how you manage it and how you run it. Mm-hmm. Right. And how independent your members can be in, ter- yeah, in terms of making coffee and sort of managing their day. Exactly. Um, so, okay. Before we dive into the real details. So you opened, we discussed this on our pre-chat, March 2nd, 2020. So everybody listening is now giving you sympathy looks. <laughs> These yes. poor women <laughs> can cry together. <laughs> March 2nd, 2020. Uh, how many square feet uh, is the space you're in and how much is allocated to co-working and, the, and daycare? So the space in total, mind you, it was an old bank. Just want to throw wow. that out there. And it had a vault that we had to remove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the space itself is 5,000 square feet. Um, I'd say roughly 3,900 is the co-working and the remaining 1,100 is uh, childcare. Okay. And then on the co-working side, offices, dedicated desks, what does that look like? So we have um, six proper offices and I call them proper because I'd say what four of them were a part of the initial construction, two were additional Um, But then we have a team that continued to grow and basically they outgrew our largest office. And so (laughs) we had this lovely space we called the multipurpose room that we were thinking like, oh, we can do small trainings, self-led meditation, some yoga. And they ended up uh, taking over that space. So we don't have that anymore, but that's okay (laughs) because it's a a team of 10. Wow. Um, 
Yeah. So if you want to include that, then I'd say seven actual workspaces with doors. Yep. And then we have six dedicated desks and the rest is mostly a uh, hot desk seating. And then hot desks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then do you own or lease the building? Lease. Okay. Yeah. And I suspect the, you mentioned before we started recording that it took eight or nine months to do construction. And I thought that's kind of a long time, but since you started with a bank, a bank. <laughs> I'm guessing you had a lot of work to do. Banks are so interesting because they seem like such an opportunity, but structurally yeah. there's so much work to convert. Is that your experience? That too, I think in addition to just the aesthetic that we wanted to sort of, you know, give people, um, I think that was one of the things we talked about is clearly it's not just for women, even though like that was my original thought because I was thinking of what do I need as an individual? But I think we definitely wanted people to come in and, and for there to be a little bit more warmth than your average, you know, co-working space, you know, not so tech and bro-y to where, you know, it could be off-putting for the person who doesn't really know what it is that they're trying to do. And they just want to feel like it's a safe space. Um, And then in addition to that, um, we definitely had conversations around, like, we have to make sure that the childcare and the co-working are completely separate. Um, And so we lucked up because it has two entrances. So our main entrance um, on the street, which is uh, Mount Diablo, the kind of the main um, through street in Lafayette, uh, we have that door and then we have a back ramp that leads directly into the childcare, which is nice because we actually have some families who will walk over in their stroller so they can bring the stroller up the wow. ramp, park it in the back. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a good thing. One of the silver linings. <laughs> hey, I just wanted to jump in really quickly before we continue with our discussion if you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to invite you to join me for my free masterclass, three behind the scenes secrets to opening a co-working space. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to share the three decisions that I've seen successful operators make when they're creating their co-working business. The masterclass is totally free. It's about an hour and includes some Q&A. If you'd like to join me, you can register at everythingcoworking.com forward slash masterclass. If you already have a co-working space, I want to make sure you know about Community Manager University. Community Manager University is a training and development platform for community managers, and it can be for owner operators. It has content training, resources, templates from day one to general manager. The platform includes many courses that cover the major buckets of the community manager role from community management, operations, sales and marketing, finance, and leadership. The content is laid out in a graduated learning path. So the community manager can identify what content is most relevant to them, depending on their experience and kind of jump in from there. We provide a live brand new training every single month for the community manager group. We also host a live Q&A call every single month so that the community managers can work through any challenges that they're having or opportunities, um, get ideas from other community managers, build their own peer network. We also have a private Slack group for the group. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go to everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. And then um, I never remember to ask people this, but what space management platform do you use for your billing and office and R&D. Office R&D. Yes. And Do we you got that off that? of our uh, the child care piece. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Would you say, Amir, that um, basically we had someone sort of help us kind of configure that? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we just migrated to the platform mm-hmm. in the last month or two. So oh, it's new okay. to us. But I will say that it seems like it, it's really user friendly in general, but related to the childcare, I think it's actually going to help us keep track of the hours a lot easier because we've been doing it manually. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's a training component involved, but once we get that taken care of, I think the families are going to have a lot easier time reserving their hours and yeah. us keeping track of them. So yeah. prior to that, they were just telling, like verbally telling, hey, we'll be here tomorrow <laughs> or hey, we'll be here next week. And then <laughs> yeah. you'd have to, you know, <laughs> yeah. go write it down. Yeah. And then track it and make sure they come in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to dig before we dig into your model, I have to mention your, you know, I talk about the Google My Business listing constantly. And we, I did a Google My Business training for our community manager university. And I used yours as like the gold standard. <laughs> so oh, wow. Amir, I don't know if you get credit for that, oh, but yeah. it's, if anybody <laughs> wants a good example, Pillar Coworking, we'll put the link in the, um, in the show notes, but you've got your products, you have beautiful photos, you, you know, 20, 28. One of the reasons I, I did the training was I was noticing like in 2020, people just completely gave up on the reviews, right? People weren't coming in, they weren't in, everybody doesn't, you know, nobody wants to like rock the cart and ask for reviews and but Google's still looking for that activity. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, we got to get on this and get going. And you guys have 28 and you opened in, you know, March of 2020. So, and Amir, you mentioned most of those are organic. You don't, you know, necessarily. I mean, I might prod them a little bit, yeah. but it's not like <laughs> we're not, not running there. heavy campaigns on reviews yeah. right now, you know, yeah. it's just like asking people for help basically. Yeah. Because yeah, I, it has been a hard year. And so I think the people, the members of our community are really happy to help us when they can. And that's just one of the ways, right? Mm-hmm. They want you to stay in business. 100%. And especially for childcare. I yeah. think that's where it really matters a lot because a co-working space, like people will try it, but you're not going to try a childcare that nobody knows about, right? Like you uh, need right. to have need some, to, yeah. social some, proof. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's where I, I think it really helps us. Yeah. So I also love your member profiles and I have used those as an example also, cause they're so like the ones you do in your newsletter. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're so simple. Amir's had a like, variation, like, right? She's like, which one? I know. <laughs> Cause we've switched the, the, like the template a few times, but yeah. essentially it's, you know, I, the you same know, information. Super simple. And they draw out really interesting mm-hmm. Like the guy last month, you know, does like whatever biotechy thing. And then you're like, well, (laughs) it's unusual that we might not know about you. And he's like, oh, I was in an acapella group. And you're like, oh, you know, that's You know, it's so funny. When I saw that, I was like, the next time I see Josh, I'm going to ask him to sing me a song. (laughs) I just, I just want to (laughs) hear. Right. And so you get those like little personal things that make it easier to say, to introduce yourself and like connect on that. It's simple, but you guys are really consistent about it. So. Thank you. Um, so I love that. So I know you guys have had a hard journey so far, but you're doing a lot of things, right? So, um, okay. 
So let's talk about how do you run the childcare model? What does it look like? What's the commitment from parents, part-time, full-time? How do you staff it? Give us the rundown. Okay. So so first of all, the intention, you know, we want to be flexible and meet the needs of the community, right? And the, the idea is that we're supporting people that have work from home type of positions. Um, so their work schedules tend to be pretty flexible. And so our packages are designed to be pretty flexible. Um, we basically have three tier packages and each one has a different number of hours, right? The highest tier is designed for someone that would come every day and stay from nine to four. That's our childcare day. It's short, you know, relatively short compared to the the business day. Mm -hmm. Um, And that may change over time, depending on the feedback we get Mm -hmm. from our members. And we've had some people say they'd like a little longer of a day, but we'll see what happens there. Um, So that one is the full-time package. And then the middle tier, which seems to be, I think the most popular, that one would accommodate a family that wants to come every morning from nine to 12. So, um, and then the the last one, it would just give you a, a bucket of hours that you could use, for instance, on a Friday from nine to four. So that's how we design them. Um, people tend to kind of break up the hours as they need them. Um, and that can get a little bit tricky mm-hmm. um, in terms of tracking. But I think like we were saying, the office R&D platform does allow the parents to go in there and request the reservation. Then we get to see it and we get to approve it or, you know, reject it, which is cool. Um, and so then we also have an, um, a digital record of where, you know, when families have come, um, which is great. So that's the way the, the memberships for the child care are structured. Um, also, what we've done is we've included the parents co-working in the package pricing. So the families are just buying one package, mm-hmm. which um, we we didn't do initially, but it simplifies things. Right. Yeah. Um, so is it that 100 percent of your daycare families also work in the space or they have to work in the space because we they don't have, have a child care license? Mm-hmm. Okay. So to be compliant with the California Community Care Licensing Organization, parents have to stay on site. It's similar to the gym child care model. business yeah. model. Well, it's the same model, yeah. right? So you can be in the building. Um, what mm-hmm. happens if they want to grab lunch? They grab lunch. But <laughs> we have places like across the street. We're across the street from Whole Foods. We're across the street from okay. a restaurant right here. Like mm-hmm. literally, you don't even have to hit a light, you can just walk right across the street. So, um, so that's really the direction we, we take with that is like, you, you have to be able to come back here in two minutes if we were to call you. Right. Um, and we haven't had many issues like during the summertime we did, and we had to reel people back in, like, no, you can't drop them off and then go get stuck in traffic Mm -hmm. and call and say, you're coming back. No, you can't do that. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So, um, yeah, they have to stay on site. And, and I think people are respectful of it. Um, and, uh, and eventually we may go through the licensing process and, and then we would, you know, be more of a full service childcare. But to be honest right now, it is nice to not have to con- like worry about the licensing things that you have to comply with, it, though we do run it based on the licensing guidelines and standards. 
um, when before we started, we were working with one of my professors from um, DVC, um, and she's an early childhood educator, and she helped us to design the space and the program to make sure that things were in line with their standards. Um, so all of that is considered as we run it because we want to run a high quality program. Um, it's just that we don't, you know, licensing doesn't come here and check on us. We just check on ourselves. Right. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what age are the children that are able to use the childcare? Uh, right now they're two to five or six. Okay. And so we, we have had some people requesting for younger ones, but right now we just want to stabilize this program mm-hmm. for the toddler preschoolers. And then we'll eventually bring infants on probably just a small group because the space, the childcare space is small. So um, in comparison to other. Yeah. Yeah. Full size daycare, mm-hmm. like dedicated daycares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we wouldn't have two separate spaces for the infants and the toddler preschoolers. I mean, we can separate the space, but it's not like separate classrooms. Mm-hmm. So. so would it simplify the business to just require everyone to be full-time? It would. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It would. But you feel strongly enough that you want to support the sort of more ad hoc sort of drop-in memberships? You know what? Honestly, I think we might have to move in that direction, but I think it's going to become like, it's a matter of demand, right? So right now, or for the past year, we couldn't, we couldn't feasibly turn away a family that says, I want to come every morning from nine to 12. Okay. Even though it is not easy for us to manage, right? Administratively, but I think as time goes on, like we have full-time um, students starting in January. And so as those full-time students start, we'll have less spaces available for that flex, those mm-hmm. flex spaces. And so as that happens, we, you know, we'll probably have to say to people, this space will be given priority to somebody that wants a full-time slot. Yeah. Which was initially how we had created it, right? Amir, okay. I'm saying like with the full-time packages was that they always get precedence over anyone sure. else who's coming in, you know, for a drop-in yes. rate or for less time. So, yeah. yeah. I think the from a model perspective, you talked before we started recording about just lining up staffing, right? With, you know, you have to commit to that full-time staff. And so when you have members that aren't committing to full-time daycare, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of folks get passionate about supporting the families that don't want full time Mm -hmm. and it's so hard to execute (laughs) because of that lineup. Um, Agreed. Well, it's kind of like the 80, 20 idea, right? Like we really have to focus or ideally in the future, like we're talking about the full-time students will sort of be the ones who are kind of carrying it. Um, And then we don't really have to worry about you know, the ones who can't make that commitment, not to say that we wouldn't support them, but, yeah. but, you know, just maybe we're reeling back some of those offerings and, and it's not as a free for all, um, in terms of choices. What, what advice would you give to someone who has it in their head that they want to do the drop-in and that they would somehow manage caregivers to, to match up with 
ad hoc demand. Not drop-in. No, right. <laughs> Definitely. So it's funny because I was kind of thinking about drop-in because initially we were, we were imagining we would accommodate drop-in people as well, right? But then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. So we never went down that road. So really we never accepted drop-ins. Like, you know, I just need to come in for a couple hours. You have to be a member at this point. And that's because of COVID. So mm-hmm. fortunately Tracy. we have that, you know, that we learned that lesson. I think mm-hmm. the easy way, because to your point, trying to accommodate on-demand childcare without having a consistent group or schedule for your staff is really challenging. And especially like the gym can do it because the gym, I think they just pull out their child. I mean, they just pull out gym employees. They sort of multitask their people. Yeah. They're not, they're not early childhood educators. They don't have a background in, in childhood. You know what I mean? And there's no expectation while you work out, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And so we're not doing that here. Like these people are educated, they're passionate. They're like, this is what they're doing for their career. And Mm -hmm. so when you have that level, like of quality in your staff, you you have to be able to give them work and like in a consistent manner or else you'll lose them to someone that can. Yeah. So that's a tricky thing. Um, but it's interesting because I would say in the past two months, I guess things are just the landscape related to COVID is getting better. Um, people are probably just so burnt out that they're like, I have to figure something else out. And so we've seen um, a lot more families that are like, I want to, I want to give this a try. And what happens a lot of times is someone may start with like less hours and then they'll, they'll want to add more, you know, they'll increase their packages. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next six months in the childcare, because it's just progressed so much in the past six months. Yeah. But it's tricky too, because like our progression, I don't even know if we can really like what would be the baseline for our progression, right? Knowing where we started, it's the trajectory is definitely going in the right direction, but not at the speed that, you know, we as business owners would want. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, can we like speed this up a little bit? But I mean, yeah, it's definitely uh, a waiting game. And we've been saying like so much of it is contingent on human behavior. Like we can do what we can do on our parts to make sure that, you know, you're safe and that our space is safe and, you know, you know, that we're taking all the necessary precautions, but really it boils down to are people ready? And, you know, hopefully like Amir said, people will get to that point where they're like, okay, I, I actually need to leave my house and get out there. I think California is even, you know, we talk to people from all over the country because we're still masks indoors and, you know, there are other places with those requirements in place, but lots of places that don't. And it's different, right? Especially when you have open space to go. I went to a space Monday and yeah, you know, you sit in the space with your mask on and, you know, take it off to drink coffee or whatever, but it's, it was pretty quiet. Cause I think, yeah, people just aren't kind of coming out in full force yet. And to your point, it's just a timing thing. It's yeah. Challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but your offices are full. They are not. No, they're not. Okay. Nope, they're not. That's, that's been we one s- of, I'd say the, um, sort of continual challenges. Would you agree, Amir, about, yeah, our offices? Um, I think in the beginning, like literally in the beginning, when you asked if we had any members during the shelter in place, we had maybe two or three. Um, It was worth it to them to stay for a few months. Yeah. Um, But I would say 
They were private office members, though. So yeah. Is they, that what you're talking about, Jamie? The private office members? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's been challenging recently. And I think, too, you know, just like spending habits. We know that, you know, Americans at one point had like the highest rate of savings in history. Yeah. And things were completely closed. And then as they started to open, you know, people are deciding how they want to spend that money. And for some folks, you know, an office is not really a priority. It's like, well, I can make do at my kitchen table just fine. And, and you know, keep that stash, especially if they're not being compensated by their companies. Um, yeah, so it's that, that, that one's been tricky. I'm just trying to show people that there's value in a private office, although it is, you know, it's a large investment for some. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that one, that one has been hard. That will Maybe. come, I hope, because that across the board we've seen, are they small offices or are they, are, are they team offices? Two are four. We could fit up to four. And yeah. then the other one is an efficiency office that actually is occupied, but the mm-hmm. other three are like one to two. So small okay. teams. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think the three to four, right. Is a timing piece because mm-hmm. right. Folks are waiting to kind of do the office share. So yeah, you'll, you'll get there on those. So can folks join the co-working side without doing childcare? Yes. Okay. So yeah. you can have members, co-working yes. members that don't have kids. What, so what does your membership look like? Mm-hmm. Like what, what do you, what's your typical member? Uh, well, it's interesting because in the mornings, that's the busiest time. And that's when the parents and the children are here. So a lot of our members currently are parents and we'll actually have like the husband and wife, Mm -hmm. they'll switch off. Like one day mom brings the child next day, dad does. So, and I think those people, they have all kinds of jobs. They may be entrepreneurs. They may just be corporate employees, but they need the space and the childcare. Right. And then we have some startups that are here. One of our Mm -hmm. startups, um, like Christina mentioned, they're just really doing really well. We have we have a couple of startups and then we have just people that are like small businesses or um, employees, corporate Mm -hmm. employees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of a mix. Yeah. I would say, too, would you say I mean, they're they're hyper like they're local. Most of. Yes. A majority of them, like if they wanted to, they could probably walk, but I don't think anybody is really driving more than 10 minutes in their car, just based on what I know from the folks. Well, actually some of the families are, the families, some of the families Mm -hmm. we have, we do have that further out, but I think it's, you know, it's, they're just doing it because they need, they need the help and they, they like the, the childcare, um, but I was going to ask you, Jamie, do you find that suburban spaces have a harder time filling offices or like more expensive products, getting those sold? So I would say it depends. I suspect your challenge is this office size. I mean, everyone will tell you they're sold out of like one person offices all day long you know, and then the middle, you know, sort of three to four people just aren't doing that yet. You know, in California and other places, they're starting to come back. So Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the challenge. It seems to me that the trend is 
people are even selling like team suites because companies are starting to make decisions about, okay, we're going to provide space, but we're going to have some sort of rotational schedule. Mm. And then, you know, the people at home who are like, I cannot, you know, be home with my spouse mm-hmm. and my kid anymore mm-hmm. are, are leaving the house. But it's the small, you mentioned like the efficiency or micro office, like gone. All of those are gone. So it's the middle ones that are harder. But to your point, you know, right. It's, and I don't know Lafayette well. People may have offices at home, right? Like in urban, yes. more urban areas, nobody, you know, has an office. Like even right. where we live in Burlingame, you know, houses are smaller, lots are smaller. Um, you know, we had to turn our guest room into, into an office and mm-hmm. I feel very claustrophobic being at home with yesterday, my daughter was home and I was just like, Oh my God, I can't, you know, it just makes me insane. But people, yeah. I mean, people have different sort of tipping points, you know, when they have bigger houses or maybe there's one spouse that's going to work. And so right they're okay at home. Um, but Yes, have faith. People are filling their offices, but the bigger offices are taking time. But it's always a trade-off, right? Because, it, you know, I help new people who are starting spaces and like one approach would be to do lots of micro offices, but you did construction, like right. <laughs> every office with like, uh, you know, its own HVAC and its own sprinkler. And it's expensive to do those smaller offices. So it's like this trade-off of how to, how to balance what your offering is. We did just recently though, um, incorporate sort of a hybrid package. Um, oh, you know, where... what's so funny. I was, tr- I had seen that somewhere and I went back to try to find it because I thought it was brilliant uh-huh. and that I couldn't find it again. So I wanted to ask you about <laughs> it was that. in the newsletter. Okay. And it was That's a link in the was. newsletter. Okay. And it pops um, up on the website too. You may have seen oh, it. Oh, I bet it was the website pop up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, it's interesting because I think those price points are definitely more in line with what people are willing to pay, especially if they don't know if they're really ready to full-on commit to, you know, even a two to three uh, person occupancy, like one of those offices, um, that price point is like, it's a happy medium. Um, But to your point, it doesn't really cut into what we thought in terms of projections that we would be able to make off of that office when we move forward with the construction and, you know, said, okay, well then this will be our ROI. If we add these offices here, they need to be, Um, yeah. So tell me about the hybrid offering. What does that look like? So basically it's uh, one of them is like our community member. So our community member is five days, uh, any days that you want out of the month for $99. Um, The hybrid flex is sort of uh, the next step of that. If you find yourself needing more time with an actual door, then you can't get that in our phone booths. Um, Then you get pretty much a bucket of hours that you decide how you want to use it in a private office. Um, and I guess like the caveat, which is not really a caveat, but that we tell people is if, you know, if someone comes in and they want to lease this office, right. you're out. Might be in a different <laughs> office the yeah, next right. time, <laughs> but you still get a door, you know, for a few hundred dollars more than what you would have paid, um, being in the space only five times a month. So it gives people, you know, going back to that idea of flexibility, um, yeah, it gives people options. And I think for them, you know, they probably feel good about like, okay. I'm in here. I have a closed door. I can take this meeting in a professional space. Um, that's again, not my kitchen yep. uh, and it feels worth it to them. So I would buy that package all day long. I think it is such a good fit, but I wonder 
if it takes time to kind of build the demand for that, because you have to teach people that that's an option and what that looks like. Cause I think it's such a great option. Yeah. I was in a co-working space on Monday and I kept like every like half hour, I'd walk by the phone booth to see. Like, okay, is it full? Can I take a call? Um, And then they only have two meeting rooms, which you have to book in their big meeting rooms. And Mm. we talk a lot about this insight that people feel funny just taking like a Zoom call in a meeting room, right? It's this weird- this whole executive boardroom. Right. For a Zoom call. But they love the the, the office, the ability to pop in and and use an office, but not be committed to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know- yeah, the the one person office in the space I was in on Monday in downtown San Mateo was two thousand dollars a month. <laughs> so for no for a one office person space. office, the office one, maybe two two thousand dollars a month. Yeah, and to your point, I was like, okay, totally out of my budget. No thanks. I'll t- <laughs> so the hybrid option, like I just want access to a place yes. at the door. Yeah. yeah. I don't, but I don't need it all the time. And I'm not willing to pay for it all the time at that rate. Yeah. And like you said, I think that's the challenging part. Like we have these plans now established. We can execute them. Office R&D actually helps us facilitate the, you know, signing up of the, with the spaces for people can do it on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, you got to remember to let people know, right? Like when they come in and they see the space and they're saying, I, I want this or that you got to promote it. And so just constantly promoting this and just getting the word out so that people catch on to it. I think that's, that's the tricky part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where do most of your leads come from? How do people find you? I would say uh, our, our paid ads. I mean, aside from word of mouth, Cause that's really, and that, that's what I was going to say, like Lafayette is, it's hyper local. Like it's super, it's very much a cheers vibe, like Q, you know, where everybody knows your name, like that sort of song. <laughs> um, that's very much the ethos of, of the city. Um, and so a lot of it is word of mouth, but definitely, you know, our, our Facebook Google ads um, for people who don't want to go through the tunnel to Oakland or to Berkeley or to San Francisco and then, you know, you go the opposite direction and you're going past Walnut Creek. Um, I think we're sort of a happy medium for that to kind of cut into commute times. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, the paid ads have been great with that. With sort do of you business. run the ads yourself or do you outsource those? So we've done a bit of both, right? Amir, you were kind of handling those for a minute and then we hired someone to take them over. Um, and now we're actually in the process of, um, getting someone else to even do a deeper dive than what we had with our, our current marketing. She uh, knows him, Ruben. Oh, oh you were faithfully. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yes, lots of people work with Ruben. And I, you know, this, I'm glad you're doing paid ads because I think it's probably timing on those offices. But yeah, I mean, it's always like, it feels painful. I'm sure you guys came in 2020 and you're not swimming in cash and now you need to invest in marketing. And, but I um, run a couple of programs and I have several folks that use Ruben and they're the most relaxed on the calls. (laughs) (laughs) Although, you know, again, I think it depends on there, you know, I have one guy in Roseville um, and he's like full, his offices are full. 
and he, he's the one that introduced me to Ruben actually. And then a woman outside of Virginia and she is also full, but so, you know, hang in there, it'll happen. But I think, yeah, running ads is good because you, that's how you know, search active searchers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're they're on, they're looking on Google and and you've tested Facebook ads as well. Yes. We use Facebook Mm -hmm. ads too. Mm -hmm. I think Facebook has given us a lot of visibility in the local community. Mm -hmm. Um, but also like the, um, organizations within the community have been very supportive in helping us get the word out to like the chamber Mm -hmm. of Lafayette. Um, we also, our partners with the um, Lafayette Partners in Education, which is, you know, they're connected to all of the schools in the area. Um, we're working with them and they're like helping us do cross-marketing um, and parent groups. We're trying to, you know, work closely with the groups that are just affiliated with the children in the area mm-hmm. because that's where it's at for us, right? Yeah. Like bringing in parents and, and, and because it's a, a new concept in this community, I think the level of excitement that people have when they visit or they see the space or their friends tell them it's like it's high. So word of mouth is really is also really big for us. So how do you two divide and conquer in the business? What what are your roles and what Look are your at that? My like? deep breath. <laughs> no. Um, Amir, do you want to speak to that? Or do you want me to tackle that one? Uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> um, I think initially, and and this goes back to just like, just forming a partnership. If you've never, number one, if you've never run a business, right? Adding a partner is just adding another level of learning with a really, you know, high learning curve around how to configure those things. So um, in the beginning, I think we thought that it was going to be very 50-50 in, in all the respects. But I think what we're finding is, um, I tend to not be on site as much as Amir, like not nearly as much as Amir. And we're kind of at a place where we're figuring out like, how, how does that work, you know, best for both of us, but also for the business. Um, and then even in, in terms of hiring, like just figuring out like, okay, if there are gaps in presence, how does this community manager fill those gaps? Like, how does this person that we're bringing on as a part of the team, you know, kind of take a little more off of your plate? Because like, she's mentioned earlier, she has on her lovely pillar kids, you know, apron because we're in the process of, you know, hiring a new childcare lead. And so she's had to step into that role. Um, and so, you know, we have a, a temporary community manager, um, but who still needs direction. So I would say like, we're at a place right now where we're recognizing like, okay, we really need to almost, it's almost like a, a new start in a sense where we're just, you know, with more business, we're realizing like how we need to really firm up what each other's responsibilities are um, and just be realistic about it. Yeah, I think too, I think that's part of where we underestimated what it would take to run this business because for the childcare, you know, essentially it's, you need to have a director, someone that's directing the program at all times. And then you need to have staff in the classroom with the children. And I don't, we didn't understand that. So, um, you know, that would be my piece of advice to anyone that was interested in creating something similar um, is like, 
you know, don't underestimate the level of um, staffing and just like making sure that you have somebody overseeing it all for the from the childcare side, and then also someone in the space executing it with the children hands on every day because it, it's hard to have that be the same person. Mm-hmm. And then you know, and then the co working space is its own. You kind know, of has the similar requirements, right? Somebody yeah. has. Yes. To- thinking, you know, working yes. on it and then somebody has to be working in it. Yes. So now you sort of have that. Yeah. On both sides with yes. you and you too have other kids and family yes. and yes. Yeah. Life <laughs> of right? on your time. Yeah. Jamie, quick question though. Like if you could compare like our space to some of the other spaces that you're familiar with, what percentage of them would you say the, the founders or the owners are working at the space? I think it's a pretty strong mix. I think Mm -hmm. it really depends on a little bit on the personality of the owner. Mm. um, Or yeah, there are other commitments. I think some owners sort of create the space because they they actually like the idea of the community manager role, Mm -hmm. right? They want to build the space and they want to be the person. Right. So doing both is totally works for them. Right. And then you get people who the community manager role is unique, right? It's exhausting. If I mean it's very on. <laughs> you have people in the space and you guys have been kind of building up, but right, if you are not used to it and you know, you go right, sort of work the for I used to like be so exhausted. If I had to fill in, I would be like ready to sleep under my desk at the end of the day. <laughs> Because it's I'm going so in for my afternoon shift in like 30 minutes and I yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot of detail, right? Yeah. So I think I don't know if you've read um the book Traction. No. So Traction would be great for you two to read or any mm-hmm. any partnership because you should figure out sort of in your business which role you are. Traction talks about like usually there's a visionary who's just like big picture, sees what's next. And then there's an implementer who who would look more like a VP of operations and is like, okay, this is this is how we're going to actually execute. Um, and so the visionaries don't do well with the details, right? Running a space, co-working or childcare is so, so many details. And it can be really hard. Mm-hmm. I am definitely that personality. Like mm-hmm. to stay in the details is really hard for me. So I could never work in the space all the time. But some people that really, they thrive in that role and they're happy to do it, or they, maybe they run a coaching business and they do it from the space or, you know, they just can do it. I was just curious, but that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I think too, um, yeah, it depends on the size of the space. You guys are kind of in between as you, as you have bigger spaces, the economics of having staff get easier, right? Mm -hmm. So and more members, you'll get the, I mean, you're really still climbing out of, you're really just starting. Yes. Yes. We're yeah. really just starting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it feels like. How long yeah. is your lease on the bank? Five years. Okay. Yeah. So. It's, it's beautiful. You did an amazing job. So if you were Thank to you. start over, what, what changes would you make? Oh my goodness. You mean like in a new space? Yeah. Or say somebody came up and, you know, said, I want to sit down and have coffee with you too. What would you tell them? What What are some things that you would 
advise them on? Not that you did you know wrong or right, just now that you sort of know a little bit about what you know, what would you I say? already know like off top, I would say if you don't own the building, like don't overinvest yes. in it. I think yes. that was our first yes. Error. I was saying money. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what else to call it, but error yeah. because that, you know, that put us in a position where we began off like in a hole where we didn't even like we didn't even imagine. And because we were new to commercial real estate, mm-hmm. we had no idea when we walked into this space what it would take to bring it to to business, right? To market, what 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 that would really cost us. And so that would be the first thing I would say, like, really know what you're getting into when you yeah. do tenant improvement projects. If you're going to invest in a space that you don't own, like, make sure there's a cap on what you're going to put into that. And then, like, I know you keep talking about the management agreements, and that sounds super interesting, like exploring your options mm-hmm. around those things um, before getting into a lease for a space, I think would be like one of the things that I would want to do in a, you know, in the future. I think following up on that, making sure that um, not only do the projections actually line up with your investment, but being realistic around what you think your return is or like, what is it that you're looking to get out of the actual investment? Is it that you want the actual return or is it that you want to create something that's going to have, you know, longevity um, that will put you in a position to have more, like just being really clear around, you know, what is the goal? Like for, I think, you know, as a partnership also, but, but for yourself personally, because if you can't define that going into a partnership or going into opening a business, then it's like, okay, you know, you're kind of just out there. Um, but yeah, definitely the money part. No, no. What's your, you know, your hard stop number um, and, and what's feasible for you. It's hard though, right? Cause you get emotional about what you're trying to create and you see it, especially once you have drawings and, you know, you, it's become real and then you get into it and right to, to Amir's point, it starts to get bigger than mm-hmm. you want it to. And it's hard, hard to turn back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else you would, you would tell folks getting started on that journey? Um, I'm trying to think. I think if there's a way to really, and you, I feel like you touched on this before, Jamie, so I'm not saying anything new, but, uh, Investing and creating your community before you actually have the space to make sure 150% sure that there is a demand for what you're, you know, potentially going to create. So, you know, whether it's, if it's a maker space that you're trying to do, or, you know, whatever this, you know, community that you're trying to build that eventually will be in a physical space, I would say really investing time into that and, and creating that, you know, community of people. Um, so that when your space is done, it's just like, you know, okay, well now our space is open and here we go. Um, yeah. And that, that would have taken more time. It's funny when I think about it, I don't know that, um, that really would have changed how we were doing things, but it's still something to know. Yeah. I mean, I still think think it would have, I think it would have for sure to build up that following beforehand. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I'm just saying, I don't think you or I even were thinking about that prior to this project. Oh yeah, um, no, we did. But, but moving forward, you know, that would definitely be 
we, but I will say, I think we did hear the podcast on it before we started and we, right. And then like, there's so many things. So many things. Yeah. So I do talk about that. It's a common challenge. There's so many things when you're managing construction and you're trying to do the basics to at the same time. And that's even after you've made all those decisions, Mm -hmm. because even before that, right. You're excited entrepreneur who wants to just like go. And so slowing down and, and also it's not always as feasible. I mean, you, you want to try to validate demand, but you know, it's not like probably you would have gotten folks to sign up so far in advance for a childcare space, right? They want to see it. They want to feel right, it. That's true. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can do things like renderings and you can try to really help people visualize what it's mm-hmm. going to be to get that commitment or build a wait list. I mean, there are things you can do, but. Sure. Um, and, know. and I, I mean, are you familiar with the spaces in SoCal that are doing it like Brella or big and tiny workspaces? Okay. Yeah. So there, there are, spaces in Southern California that are creating this model. And I don't know why it's not happening in the Bay area yet, but, um, and they're opening additional locations and you'll see them like put out their teaser, you know, and say, Hey, we're coming to this Mm -hmm. location, you know, down the line. And, and I think because they have that following from their first space and people are talking about them, it's a lot easier, right? Like then, when no one knows who you are Mm -hmm. and you come out the gates and you're like, Hey, there's this, you know, and I, I see, I've seen both of these things happening. Some are new businesses that are trying to get it started. And then some are established and they're just continuing the excitement and spreading it into new locations. So I think, yeah, it's just, it's important, but to your point, I think when you're new and no one knows who you are, it's harder to do. It, yeah, it's harder to do. What is the name of the first one that you mentioned? Brella, Brella. B-R-E-L-L-A. Brella. So I saw someone brought one to my attention. Aren't those in, um, I think they're in predominantly shopping centers, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I saw yeah. that and I thought, oh, that's so interesting because yeah, they were doing like after hours babysitting. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of like, yes. offering and I thought, oh, that's interesting because right. Mom and dad could go in and go see a movie or have dinner, right. or drop the kids. And yeah. mm-hmm. um, so my other theory on that brand is that, is that the Westfield? Mm-hmm. I suspect they have a management agreement in their locations because right. So the malls are saying, how can we get people here? Oh, let's have a and place. Make them shop. <laughs> and make them yes. shop. And make them shop. Yes. So it's, it's super smart. So I don't know who's behind that, but I'd seen it and I thought, right, they are not doing their own build out. They've got class. They've got a lot of things they're wrapping into that, mm-hmm. which, yeah, can you, yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of, exp- I think this is a hard, okay. So they have tons of goodness. Wow. <laughs> they have a big team. Yes. Somebody, that's the other they, money they, and, yeah. So they got funding and they, after they got the funding, I think it just took them to the next level. Right. And I yeah. think that's the other thing, like we're just the two of us at this point. And so that kind of changes the game yeah. as well. Once, you know, you're able to accomplish that, then you just, you know, possibilities become. Yeah. 
a lot larger. Um, but I, I think it's a trend that we're going to see more of, right? There is going to be more people trying it. I think what we're going to see too is established childcare providers like the Bright Horizons or like larger companies that are just going to go in and partner with other, you know, mm-hmm. space operators, even if it's not corporation, like a specific corporation, but, you know, just start partnering with them to create this type of situation. So um, because it, it is, it's valuable, it's invaluable. And that's one of the things I think we all learned during COVID. It's like, if you don't have someone helping you with your children, good luck. They're small. <laughs> like you can't do anything as a parent. You're not getting anything done. We have four-year-olds. So, oh gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. both have four-year-olds. Yeah. We were pregnant at the same time. <laughs> you left that out of your story. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We yeah. did. We were, pregnant. we were figuring it out. We were both pregnant at the same okay. time. So yeah, <laughs> maybe, that, maybe were, blame it on the pregnancy for our crazy decision. <laughs> so you opened your space when they were whatever one or one. Yes. Two or, yeah. God, yeah. 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 So, my son has grown up here. <laughs> He's been coming here for a long time. So yeah, that's right. So right. That you're kind of realizing your dream. Well, and you're also in a point where you're still so new. I guarantee you that these folks who raised all that money had a time period that you're having where they're like so in the business, right? You're so in it because you have to work the front, right? You've got your front desk shift coming up. And yes, yes, it's yes, like, what time, time is it? I think right, right, you probably need to wrap this up. And so it's hard to think, right? You don't have the thinking space to figure out, you know, what to do next. And you still have four-year-olds at home and <laughs> or at the space. Yeah. Yes. So, Yeah. Um, but everybody goes through these growing pains. It's totally, totally normal. They, the, the umbrella people went through that, um, as well. They thank just you, Jamie. Came out of it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and fundraised and got a very fancy website. So, um, ladies, it was so wonderful to connect. What, so what is the next, what does the rest of the year look like for, for the business? What are your goals? I think our goals are just to continue to increase our visibility, um, increase our occupancy, hope that we can see some really stable trends that will kind of infer how we should be approaching, you know, the next two years of our lease. Um, Because like that's sort of the, you know, if there is any hard stop, it will be that because it's not our building. Um, But yeah, I, I think just continuing to do, what we're doing and more. Yeah. Um, keep learning, Mir. Yeah, same thing. Same. Just keep, keep growing in the community. Yeah. Ladies, thank you for taking time away from, I know, busy schedules to do this <laughs> and tell your story. I guarantee you there are many, many listeners. I can't tell you how many people come into my program or our podcast listeners that have similar goals. So they ate up every single word of your story. So um, we have all of your uh, contact where you, where you live on the internet in the show notes, your Facebook, um, Instagram website. So if you are looking um, for that, you can find that on the website. So thank you both. It was wonderful to hear your story. Thank Thank you so much for having us. Yes. Thank you.
And if anybody's in the Lafayette area, come on by. I know. Jamie, you have to come. I know. I know, right? Get up here. (laughs) 43 minutes is not that far. Just come in the middle of the day. Grab a coffee. I need to come for lunch. That's exactly right. And then leave before three. Right. (laughs) At least. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. This was awesome. Yes. Thank you. Hey there. Thanks for sticking with us through the end of the episode. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please go leave us a review. It helps other folks find the podcast who are thinking about starting a co-working space or already operating a co-working space and are looking to stay up to speed on tips and trends. And we started a YouTube channel. We'd love to have you catch us on video. You can join us for podcast videos and Q&A videos and other things that we post to the channel. We'd love to see you there.